From Stockholm Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, this is The LPV Show, a weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here's your host, Brian Formals. What's going on, everyone? We're back in Bushwick. And today we're here with Sophie Barbish. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. We're excited to have you on the show. I've, uh, I've been, I think I caught your Tumblr, I don't know, a few months ago, and I started following your Tumblr, and I saw your the Project Faultline kind of was getting picked up everywhere, and then I started digging around, and I saw you <laughs> doing all these other projects, and I was like, wow, she's really doing some interesting things, so we're, we're excited to have you on the show. Thanks, it's great to be here. Yeah, it's, um, so I just want to start a little bit in your background, we kind of ask this sometimes, like, how did you get into photography? Did you start when you were younger? Or was it something you realized, you know, was you got into college and studied it? Or how did you really get your start? Um, well, I started shooting when I was 14. Um, my mom got me a camera and I was shooting everything all the time, but not really taking it very seriously uh-huh. or paying attention so much. And then I was an art major in college and tried to paint and draw and it was a little bit hard. <laughs> and it took me a while to realize that I could actually just use photo for my major. So I took a semester off and did a lot of photography and then came back and focused more in the last two years of college. Um, and because I went to Brown, I was close to RISD, so I took a lot of classes at RISD, mm-hmm. which was really great. And um, so that was sort of a start. And then after college, I worked at ICP for three years and was immersed in this amazing community of students and artists and teachers. Uh-huh. And it was it really fed my curiosity. Right. Um, and I took a bunch of classes there. And Do you I know Russet? Russet Letterman? Um, that name sounds familiar. She was, so she was on, I can't remember exactly that episode, but she's active at ICP too. Um, Olga too. I haven't been to the library there, but I hear the amazing. The, the library is amazing. Library, yeah. yeah, it always pulls me back. I I always go back to ICP, and so um, so yeah. From there, I thought I would never go to grad school, and then being in that environment, it it started to seem inevitable, mm-hmm. and then I went to grad school, and then. So you got your and, MFA. Mm-hmm. Was it MFA in just in photography, or mm-hmm. was it in? In photography. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? Because there's a lot of you know. I know a lot of people like kind of feel like you got to get your MFA and you can kind of take your stuff to the next level. And then there's other people that would just kind of rather go out and shoot and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. But you obviously went the path of the MFA. So how did that? Yeah. How did that change your like thinking about photography? What was kind of? Um, well, yeah, I was sort of on the fence about it. I took a really long time to decide. Um, I ended up applying to social work programs simultaneously. I was like totally (laughs) pulled in two directions. Um, But as soon as I decided to go, it was the right choice. And I would say it changed um, all of my thoughts (laughs) (laughs) in fundamental ways. Um, Just trying to figure out like what I think a a photograph should be, why I'm making work, you know, what my goal is how all these pieces fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like a, it was a very, um, oh, like a, a, I guess a positive upheaval. Of right, right, right. <laughs> of sorts. Um, so, but overall it was really positive. It was a little bit tough, but, right. and intense, but it was good. 
And um, I went in thinking, I went in kind of focused on teaching, and then it sort of changed the way I was feeling about that. It, it was more focused on, like, work and uh-huh. making work. Uh-huh. And that focus has been really helpful for me. I mean, I think when you're in grad school, nothing matters except your work. <laughs> so experiencing that um, changes the way you re-enter the real world, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, because it's an intensive focus on it. You're really getting, you know, some direct feedback on what you're doing, and which I've heard is, can be a little bit intimidating when you're going yeah. out and presenting it can be your terrifying. work in front of everyone <laughs> and your professors, and it's like... It's pretty terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there were some intense moments, um, but overall it was extremely, extremely helpful right. um, and clarifying what I was trying to do. So when, when did you start <clears throat> the Fault Line project? Did you start that in... While you were still um, in school? I started it at the end of school. I was mm-hmm. really like feeling strongly that I didn't want to make work about my family because mm-hmm. I wanted to, I don't know, I wanted to prove to myself that I could make work about something else. Right. And I, it, I didn't want it to be like a fallback since they're so comfortable and familiar. I wanted to kind of get away from that. But I started um, at the end of school shooting up there and it sort of just crept back in. Mm-hmm. And then um, it felt like something I wanted to do. And so to so do the main time. subject of that series is your cousin, right? Yeah, he's okay. sort of like the protagonist. Mm-hmm. He's really amazing and like totally charismatic and um, really smart and a lot of fun to hang out with. And um, so I wasn't, pl- I mean, I wasn't planning on doing the series. I was working on a different body of work and I went up there and he was um, like really captivating and very, very comfortable in front of the camera, very intuitive. And I made some pictures that I kind of wanted to revisit and build on. Mm-hmm. And so I've been going back like three times a year Um Hopefully more soon. So how much of it is kind of, I mean, is planned out or is it spontaneous? Because it kind of looks like it's that mix of, you know, Mm -hmm. there might be a little bit of setting it up or working Mm -hmm. with, like, what's the collaboration process with him? Is he just, oh, doing whatever he wants or is he kind of like, hey, I should do this or? Well, he's, um, he's kind of comfortable improvising as we're shooting. So we'll figure out what kind of scenario we want. So maybe it's like a certain time of day on this beach and, you know, um, from there he'll run around and like do backflips and (laughs) (laughs) or be still, you know. Um, But yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to be self-conscious and he's very patient. So a lot of it is, Yeah, like figuring out the basic parameters and then he'll also suggest ideas Uh and be like, what if I do this? I should be doing this. Sometimes he comes up with the whole concept for an image. Mm -hmm. Um, So You're collaborating. Yeah, you're collaborating. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) So it's, I mean, so essentially it is kind of both this like youth and growing up in that kind of environment up in Maine, right? Mm -hmm. And that is, I've always been fascinated by Maine. I did... One of my like early, maybe in fifth grade, I did my state report on Maine or something. And I've still mm-hmm. never been there. Oddly enough, been there. I haven't been, but I want to go because they, they say you have that like uh, 
kind of drastic cultural divide between like right on the coast and then like the mm-hmm. rest of Maine, which is almost like part of Canada or what have you. So where is where is this Brooklyn, actually taking place? Brooklyn, Maine, mm-hmm. IN is very it's pretty far north. It's on the coast. It's what I like about it is it's like very um like raw and beautiful mm-hmm. and natural and it's also it feels like you're at an intersection with like every kind of environment. So there's mm-hmm. the ocean and the woods and man-made roads and you know like interior spaces and marshes and um, you know, feel. I mean, it kind yeah. of has. Well, it's like all the, the end categories. of the country. You're at the end of the country. It's at <laughs> it's, the very yeah, tip. Yeah, it does feel like a little bit at the end yeah. of something, also. So, um, I find it like very magnetic and very moving to be there, and like very inspiring. And um, so, how much planning do you do before if you're doing three trips a year? I mean, that's. So you kind of have it pretty well planned out. You know what's going on, and mm-hmm. or is it just pack up your camera and you're going up there? Or is you well, have like to, a legitimate plan before you go? Yeah, I try to have like a shot list that I'm okay. always um, adding to, so mm-hmm. that if I get stuck or if nothing is really happening, I have something to fall back on. But it depends on who's there, like which family members, mm-hmm. what the season is. Um, usually. There's always like something slightly different and something new, whether it's like they put some insulation up or the light's a little bit different in February versus January. So that kind of thing. I I find it helpful to go back so many times because you kind of know enough of what to expect, but then you're always surprised a little bit because you're not there all the time. Um, But a lot of the process becomes like pretty like formal and concrete it's Mm -hmm. like I need two people and they need to touch and it needs to be you know this dark or Mm -hmm. whatever and so it it gets kind of dry sometimes right right right. (laughs) but it helps me kind of just work through different things to see what works so I can't I'm I'm one of those guys that asks the question are is what are you what are you shooting film on this is this digital Mm -hmm. or is it large format it's medium format it's the Mimia 645 and the Mimia 7 yeah 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 I'm a big Mimia 7 fan yeah it's so I'm part of the cult. It's so great (laughs) yeah Yeah. I've been shooting the 645 I'm slowly becoming a 7 yeah, the same. I mean, it's such a, <laughs> I can't. I was just out with it in Long Island yesterday, and it was. I hadn't used it in months because I really only use it when I'm out doing landscape stuff. And it was. I just remembered once I started taking pictures. I mean, this is amazing. I can make these. It's like taking snapshots of like landscapes and you mm-hmm. move on. Like that's the portability of the camera is just insane. And like yeah. I don't know the way it feels in my hand, the way it just intuitively like composing photographs i don't know to me it's the greatest camera ever i wish i could use it all the time it's very reliable (laughs) also like i really like that my 645 breaks like Mm. a couple times a year usually in the middle of a show oh no (laughs) so i really like having the seven because it doesn't break is it the seven or the seven two it's the i forget actually i think it's the seven yeah the seven like the gray gray one right Mm -hmm. yeah that's the one i got no i wanted to get yeah we've been talking about getting a backup because they actually don't make them anymore. Yeah. So they're like Mamiya discontinued. So, but you can still find them on eBay. But I'm saying <laughs> if you really love the camera, you might need to consider like trying to get a backup. You know. Yeah. But it is an amazing camera. So I want to like just jump a little bit too, because this is you. This project that I'm really intrigued by, it's because you're using Blurb. I've been using Blurb for my book dummies, and I'm really into it. And it, I think it's it has 
changed the way I work tremendously. You know, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think I would use a, a blurb book to kind of put out into the market mm-hmm. necessarily, but I think like for my the purpose of what I'm doing, it's amazing. But you kind of your project takes a lot of these ideas that I'm really interested in. First of all, doing this kind of you did a book for each month in 2014. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, I'm always interested in like time-based kind of projects that mm-hmm. way too. First, so that's the first thing I'm very interested <laughs> in on that. Um, and the second is obviously using Blurb and these new technologies to, to kind of, um, you know, put together your projects. But the one question I want to ask is like, are all of these, are you doing any appropriation in these? Are you taking stuff from the internet? Or is these all from your archive? Um, I think they're, there might be one picture that I appropriated. Okay. It would be of a moon on a screen. Okay, okay. <laughs> I can't remember I, if I used it, but it's mostly my archive. Oh, wow. Um, we, love so the, we love the archives here. We love talking about archives. So that's, that's, yeah. that, that's another element then. This began as sort of like a very, um, like a fun kind of like side project mm-hmm. where I had all these images that weren't going to work for anything and I wanted to put them somewhere. And it's also like a way for me to keep track of what's going on and, you know, like all mm-hmm. the whatever, B-roll, just yeah, <laughs> yeah. give it a home. Um, and then it kind of has become maybe about something beyond that mm-hmm. at this point. This is the second year I did it. Oh, really? You did it all in I 2013 did it in as well? Um, and it gets, it lags sometimes because, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to make each one different. But I'm hoping in like many, many years it'll start to get. Wow. So you like, do this as a plan. You just, you plan on doing it forever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like I was planning on doing, so I did it in 2013 and then in 24, just one book and I edited them chronologically mm-hmm. for my, so like that's what I was planning to do in 2013, and they'll do it every year. Just these chronology from my snapshots but you take it to like the next level on doing it monthly I don't know if I have that in me to like edit that many books so it's kind of amazing do you do them that the month of or do you I usually do the month of the first year I got a little bit like overzealous and and did a few beforehand and that that didn't really work out as well but I usually do it the month of I try to get it done by the end of the month Mm -hmm. um and they're not always like the pictures aren't always from that month, uh-huh, uh-huh. and that's something I'd like to do. But sometimes I don't have enough, so sometimes right. they'll be from like six six months prior or whatever. Wow. It started being more about like the idea of a time, uh-huh. and now it's um, maybe like a little bit closer to a diary. So you're shooting all the time, then? Are you mm-hmm. always like making photos? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, so I'm just shooting all the time with my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of a way for, it's, it's sort of like a little bit of a strategy to get myself to be less, um, right. I don't know, to unstick or to, um, to just keep moving despite, you know, yeah, yeah, judgment, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. like my own, um, judgment. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I was a very diaristic shooter as well too. And like, I've kind of. Once I did those two years where I was like just constantly shooting and putting that stuff together, it's almost like now I'm, I don't know, like, can I work this way? <laughs> because it's like dealing with that volume of photographs mm-hmm. and like the constant kind of like upkeep on the editing is just insane. It's hard to remember. It's hard to remember. <laughs> and it's just, and editing is, and we talk about this all the time, is like editing is, 
I mean, once you really get into it and you start working that way, it is its whole other kind of world of yeah. thinking about photography. I mean, I think most people love going out and making pictures. It's like so fun. But like to me, I never really started to figure out photography. I was like, okay, this, you got to edit. And this is yeah. look at your photos critically and kind of figure out what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you're really like working that part of your brain too, mm-hmm. like just as much it's as- It's like an exercise. Yeah, yeah. And every time there's some pages that work and some that don't, and I just allow it to <laughs> be that way. Um, but yeah, I think I do it in the Booksmart app. So it's kind of like a puzzle. It feels right, like right. you're working through a puzzle. And a lot of the time you'll start with something and finish, or I, I start with something, I finish it, and then it just gets totally overhauled right. because it doesn't work, doesn't feel right. But it's a lot of fun to just, you know, work on that puzzle. Yeah, so you like the yeah, exactly like the bookmaking process too. Mm-hmm. I never I really that's the one reason why I started doing it on those monthly as well too is cuz it forced me to think in terms of a book. And now I'm like down that path where I'm like looking into all of my archives and like how can I slice and dice this up? There's so many different like possibilities, you mm-hmm. know. So like that's to me it is, you know, the crux of kind of the show is like the bookmaking mm-hmm. process in terms of photography. So I think it's really interesting that you know, there's a lot of people that think that think you know you you spend all your time to do this like this one magnificent book, and then I mm-hmm. have a lot of friends who are like, no, I have all of these ideas and I want to put them out, even if I have to just put out an edition of fifty books. Mm-hmm. So you really seem you seem to be on the production side of it as well too, where you're yeah. always making a lot of art. I'm trying to so. do yeah, like quant. I'm focusing sometimes on quantity as a way to like. Yeah, just like experiment Mm -hmm. with ideas. One of the things that I'm thinking about more and more, which I wasn't really as much attuned to in the beginning, coming from still photography where Mm -hmm. you're thinking about the image and kind of maybe a sequence, but mostly the image is the book um, as its own, like as as a little being, as its own thing. And um, uh, yeah, incorporating the temporal element Mm -hmm. of like flipping through the pages and thinking about flow and thinking about how the pieces do come together it's a it's like a totally different challenge and one that i feel like i'm only just starting to kind of play with yeah i mean the more because like the more you start to get into the process and make the books Mm -hmm. like the more you you develop new ideas like Mm -hmm. it's happened to me like frequently where you know you'd be working i'm sorry guys Okay. Well, it's it's a little weird, like the, the <laughs> trumpet music bed underneath. I just want to shift this behind. Okay. Okay. Uh, Sometimes we do. The other in the last episode, we had the pizza guy come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's we don't we try to we we keep it like nice and organic. Yeah. So sometimes this happens. You know? It's hard to tell if that's like actually getting that's picked up. Oh no no no. In the mics, it's not. Yeah, not not on these mics, but. Sorry, yeah. I did get a little bit distracted there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. I can cut this part out. I just wanted to try and fix this if I can. Yeah, who you got a band next door? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I could ask them to maybe go to a different part of the apartment. I think I'm going to do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we've do you had- have your books here? Oh, I didn't bring my book. I don't know why I didn't bring mine. So it's, it's kind of like a yearbook? The third, yeah, so 2013. Yeah. So when I was doing it, I got to the point where I was like, I got to find another hook to this. So I was like, as I was editing them, 
like chronology just started to make sense. Like when I popped them in, it's like the two that were side by side and fit. You went from January to December. And then like, so once I had it, like it made me easy to, to kind of like pull out certain photos as well too, you know? So like that was, and it was just to me like, like I wanted to have this like baseline edit, you know what I'm saying? Because I was like, I have all these photos. I don't necessarily know where they're going to go, but I need them into something to keep my brain sane. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. otherwise it's like, you know, it's what's like, the purpose of these photos, you know? Yeah. And I would read a, like something, uh, something on, I can't remember who wrote it online. He's like, print your photos. Whatever you do, if you have, just put them mm-hmm. into a book and print yeah, them all. So yeah. that's another thing too, is like, I want this archive that I can put on, to my shelf and like mm-hmm. say here's 13 4 but i don't necessarily think like that's these are my best ideas right. but it's kind of like that workshopping of putting the book together editing and doing these things so it was the first thing that really made sense um, i feel like once they're in there i can let it go and move on yeah yeah exactly <laughs> we're still recording right yeah, yeah i didn't start right. right. <laughs> tom um, will do some too tom will do some splicing and dicing but i think yeah to me like just being able to have that Thinking in terms of the book, I don't know. Like that's that was really what I needed to do, mm-hmm. and like now that I was able to do that, now I'm trying to pursue like other ideas as well too. But you mixed in not just like photography, like there's writing and you have mm-hmm. drawings and all these other different aspects too, and like you mm-hmm. do more like straight conceptual like art projects that have nothing to do with photographs. So you have a couple of them. What was the one on Craigslist? Yeah, I did a lot of work on Craigslist. I did um, a Good Night Call project uh-huh. and also Training to Be a Girl. Training to Be a Girl is a set of books that are also like this format mm-hmm. from Blurb. Um, it's kind of like a call and response where I ask questions and guys answer them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the Good Night Call, I solicited voicemails and then they called in. <laughs> um, so, yeah, pretty different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From these, but um, I mean, in a way, they're both kind of archiving projects. Mm-hmm. Um, like the calls, I I ended up getting sort of like an audio library of these calls where guys were sort of play acting, um, pretending to be my boyfriend, uh-huh. or telling me about um, different things that they wanted to confess. So it was kind of like this library almost, mm-hmm. and the same with the books. It it looks more like a library because they are books, but um, it was sort of like a compilation of um, loose fragments mm-hmm. that were kind of pulled together in um, in this very kind of clear right. format. Um, but in a way, they're all they're all sort of similar. Like there's, it's sort of like a a wide range of material. It's pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, all over the place, like a lot of the pictures feel pretty random, mm-hmm. or a lot of these guys were ca- calling in from everywhere, all over the country, like saying very different things, and then I'm kind of like creating a loose structure for all these elements to coexist together, right. and hoping that the structure will um, give it another layer. So, te- I mean, text really plays a big, big role in a lot of what you do as well, too. And I think the relationship between text and photos is always kind of very interesting, and I mm-hmm. struggle with it as well, too. I mean, I come from a writing background. I only got into photography because I had writer's block. Mm-hmm. So I've always <laughs> been trying to find this way to synthesize my need to use, like, you know, written language. And, and what happens once I started doing the books is, like, you almost focus on, like, the way – 
words look visually on a page, yeah. you know? And I think there's a lot to explore there. Um, I haven't really figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm very narrative-driven, but I don't know if that's necessarily the best route for some of the stuff. So it's kind of like I'm trying to figure it out. But I do, like, a lot of, like, when I go out to Long Island, I'll come back and try to write down everything I can remember from the day, from those four hours of being out in Long Island. Mm-hmm. And I want to try to stitch in, like, the way memory works, how we remember through words and verbally and photographs. Because I can remember a lot of the incidents, but I can hardly remember any of the photos I made. Mm-hmm. And it was just like two hours ago, I was doing this last night, and it was like, I can't remember like a single specific photo. And it's kind of like, well, that's the purpose of the photo, is like you can get that moment where you might not remember. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out that space of the way memory works mm-hmm. with through you know, writing a diary and making photos. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I do. I, I love the idea of text as an image, like the mm-hmm. way that text looks visually on a page and how it can function in a similar way, which is what I was playing with with my Craigslist books. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this, I, I was working only in photo and only in text. And with this project, a couple of times I've tried to bring them together. And it is really, really hard. Um, so I have like September, mm-hmm. I think, is... There's a lot of writing in September, and it's also kind of a way to embrace the diaristic element of the project mm-hmm. and embrace the fact that it is just one perspective. It's my perspective. It's my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's hard to know what to say, even even in like a diaristic form. Right, right. Um, like what the tone should be. I find writing a lot harder than photography. I feel <laughs> yeah. like it's a lot hard it's a lot harder to be oblique with writing. Yeah. Like you, it's just a lot more straightforward. But it's been fun. I haven't brought in that much writing recently. But um feels like a way to bring some levity or like, I don't know, just to bring a more casual feel to some of them. So how do you, obviously, like, you're doing stuff through the Internet, too. And I've seen, you know, we like to talk a lot about the way people use the Internet as well, too. And I think there's a lot of fertile ground yet to be mm-hmm. covered for either what you're doing, like, making those connections and pursuing art through that. Or, like, I'm really into digging into this mass archive of images and, like, mm-hmm. how can I appropriate these this in interesting ways. And I'm very big on history and dates and specificity and you know all this stuff is mixing together and i just think there's like i i feel like we're on the verge of something or maybe we've always been on you know for a while of really handling using the internet to as a medium yeah yeah mm-hmm. exactly instead of you know a lot of traditionally like even you know a lot of stuff we do now is marketing you're putting out here's what's happening with me, but I really like photographers that embrace it to use it for their own purposes, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was a big change when I, for me too, is like, I, okay, why am I sharing this stuff? It's not helping my process. So when I incorporated using social media and that stuff into my processes where it started to feel like, oh, now I'm getting somewhere. I'm actually mm-hmm. using it rather than just putting stuff out there. So what do you, how do you kind of feel about the way the internet interacts with like photography and art and those sort of things? I guess it's a big question, but I mean, <laughs> it seems it seems like something you're kind of like thinking about. Yeah, I thought about that a lot with my Craigslist projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a few books where I solicited photos, and a few where I appropriated them. Mm-hmm. I'm really I'm really interested in like what people think is a good photo, and what's the right photo, and what's the wrong photo, <laughs> and how they um, 
So, for example, like, I did a picture where I asked people to send me a picture of their bed and, like, thinking of it as, like, a self-portrait. Uh-huh. And, you know, people would set things up or, like, make their bed a certain way or whatever, but it was always about information. Mm-hmm. And because photography is so cool, there's always information that you don't intend to be in there. Um, so that that was, like, one of the ways I was kind of having a fun time with um, thinking about this collective space uh-huh. and also like these tropes. Um, what else? Oh, did you um, do? Did you do a project with something on brides? I did I was wedding dresses. Wedding that dresses. Was yeah, like, um, yeah, that was appropriated. It was the same thing. It was about like presenting the beautiful object mm-hmm. and com- basically completely failing, like selling <laughs> something and just completely failing right. because, but like still in. There were still things about the photos that indicated like certain standards or uh-huh. tropes about photography, like the way it's laid out, or it's mostly product photography mm. in that sense. But um, yeah, so it's it's kind of like humorous and yeah. dark and funny. To Have me. you seen Craigslist mirrors? Mm-hmm. Oh. I love Craigslist. <laughs> that's that's like, a perfect example. That's a perfect example. I mean, that is yeah. like he, the curating on that is amazing. There's another one too. I can't. For the life of me, remember her name, but she finds all similarly visual elements through Google image searches, mm-hmm. and she does it. So she'll put it on her Tumblr, and it'll be like seventeen of these weird like aquariums or something that all look the same. And she just keeps doing it, and she's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, I think a lot of these, these uh, like when you're trying to sell a mirror on Craigslist. Or like I guess Penelope Umbrico's TV. Yeah, also yeah, exactly. it. It's like people are trying to kind of neutralize the weirdness of their environment uh-huh. and like present something in its sterile, you know, like sellable form. And of course, it's completely not that. It's completely <laughs> right, right. like full of their weird, you know, their weird yeah. stuff. Like yeah. their, <laughs> their reflection, their weird objects. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of. Um, really sad. Yeah. I mean, the mo- yeah, the moment I go into Flickr and I start digging around, it's like, why do I even bother making pictures? I mean, because everything I want to see, like it's in a really photo, good. it's like right there, and it's, you, it's really good. It sort of feels, <laughs> it almost feels like depressing. It's like I how ha- I would ha- to try to get a picture that good that they just did accidentally. Like I would have to try for months, yeah. to somehow get that accident. You know right. what I mean? And it, I think. I don't know. Even in my own photography, it always feels like, oh, it's that one kind of like slippery image that I didn't really know what I was doing or somehow I did something differently and I didn't realize. And that that tends to be the photograph, you know. That was definitely behind that project. I was like struggling so much with photography. I was like, or (laughs) (laughs) there's this huge archive of amazing pictures that people don't even realize. I mean, like the the people taking the pictures to sell their wedding dress or their wedding ring or whatever don't maybe see the the hidden gems (laughs) in the frame. (laughs) Well, on that note, I think we're going to take a quick break, then we're going to come back and talk about some books. We'll see you in a minute. Well, we're looking at books. So, yeah, let's tell, why don't you tell us what the book that you decided to bring. 
Sure. So this is um, Polaroids by Manuel Alvarez Bravo. And um, each page has a small square photograph. It's, I think, just of his personal life in Mexico. And it's really gorgeous um, and simple. Yeah, I mean, I love Polaroids. They always have that kind of, it's, It feels like an Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't, when was it published? I think it was published in 2005. But so pre-Instagram, but it has a very kind of like that feel to it, you know? Yeah, I think they were taken earlier, but I'm not totally yeah, sure. Yeah, it looks like you're just calling from his ar archive. Yeah. Um, but I like that, you know, that simple kind of format. Mm -hmm. Same, the same square, they're laid out on the page, each page the same way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a very classic kind of photo book. Mm -hmm. And I just think Polaroids are always, I mean, there's always a draw to like people's Polaroids for whatever reason it is. They're know? like, yeah, they're juicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's a, you know, I just, I shot Polaroids, I, when was it like 2006 or seven? I probably finally got one. And I shot, maybe I bought like three or four packs. Mm -hmm. And then one night I drank too much and I dropped my Polaroid camera and it busted. Uh, and I was like, then I was like, oh, they don't sell and make them anymore. <laughs> so I was like, that was like the end of my Polaroid. So I have this stack of Polaroids from Los Angeles. They're all inside my apartment. Uh, it's like, that was all I really used it for. It's like taking pictures inside my apartment. And I have one really good one of my Los Angeles bedroom that was so typifies that point in my life is just mattress on the floor, a bookshelf, <laughs> and then like some camera gear. Uh, right is, by. feel like happy accidents to me. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. You never really know what it's going to look like. Well, you shoot the Fuji, the Instax, yeah, right? Yeah. But I, I shot a lot of Polaroid. Yeah, but I don't know why. Well, I don't know why I don't. Know, but do you have an Instax, a Fuji Instax? No, I want one. They're I so should fun. get one. They're like cheap, but it's like a really buck. Uh, it's still like a buck fifty a yeah, picture. It's about the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's an interesting. Dynamic, I think, because you think of a Polaroid as this very disposable thing, but it's mm -hmm. now it's, ex precious. it's an ex expensive photo. Mm -hmm. So you kind of you got to like covet it, covet <laughs> what you take a picture of. But it goes against that snapshot aesthetic too. So you got that weird dynamic. Mm -hmm. like how do you make it work? Uh, yeah, I think the things pictured seem a little bit more valuable because we know the context of right. you know what. What we're paying. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, I really want to get back in, into it again. But it's kind of, I'm like, again, I can just mimic all of this stuff like through using filters on mm -hmm. the internet. And yeah, it's like, but well, is why it really the same? Why not? I don't know. <laughs> See, like, I don't get so, like, I'm not so hung up on those tools. Like, what's it? It's called Alien Skin 7, and it lets you mi mimic, like, Gadara, like, daguerreotypes or, like, old. Kodachrome, and it has like almost every conceivable film you can think of. And you mm -hmm. just press a button, and like boom, it's like Tri-X push two stops. And like, so I've been messing around with that. And I used to be really hung up on it, but I'm like, why? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like, you can be, I really like, okay. I love photography as photography, like the basic kind of thing. But it just drives me crazy when people are so, like, pure about it. When it's like, you can use this mm -hmm. for so many different things. There's no reason that it just has to be one way. And it doesn't have to be your way, you old yeah. dude with his old Leica, you know? I don't know. It's sort, of, it's sort of similar to the idea of, like, Craigslist as a medium or the internet mm -hmm. as a medium. This is, like, just another medium. Right. Um, that's a lot of fun. So you shoot, so, <laughs> but you shoot, you said you shoot with the iPhone a lot. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like that's kind of like your go-to camera these days? Um, 
Or are you carrying well, around something else as well? I carry around a rolly point and shoot and uh, and my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, the rolly's film. Mm-hmm. So you're always shooting 35 millimeter film? Yeah, I bring that around. It's harder to, you know, get up <laughs> gumption to shoot it. Yeah. Um, but when it's not like a stranger that I'm going to upset with the flash, uh-huh. I try to shoot with that because it does look a little different. Um, but mostly, yeah, iPhone everywhere <laughs> so you shoot a lot of candid do you shoot a lot of street stuff um maybe i wouldn't say a lot but maybe like a couple pics a day usually on the subway oh wow <laughs> maybe one of those huh because i have that long commute yeah <laughs> need to stay awake i'd say yeah i have two basic my i haven't shot I've, I've kind of sworn off shooting candid like i did a lot of street photography like the last 10 years and i've kind of sworn off of it it does Just get a little a bit all the sometimes it starts to feel all the same. Yeah, repetitive. Yeah. But it's also, you know, I'm to me it comes down like if I'm taking this person's picture, like why am I doing it? And I mm-hmm. couldn't sufficiently answer that. Mm-hmm. Like because I could get a very aesthetically interesting photograph, and mm-hmm. to me, it like minimizes who this person was. Or I'm just mm-hmm. looking for a, some formal kind of play, you know? mm-hmm. which I, I think is a valid way to work, and people can do it. But to me, it just felt like. I can get tired a little but bit. But I'm like, I'm using them. It's like, they're not, you know, yeah. I don't know. I go, I go back and forth because I'm like, you know, if we actually lived in a sane world, nobody would care that p- pictures were being made, but we don't live in a sane world. It's like, <laughs> photos can be used for so many different purposes. So I see why people might be upset, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially, like, shaming. Like, people use, like, public photographs to shame people all the time, like, mm-hmm. for their behavior. And I'm like, something about that really bothers me, yeah. you know? So, like, I don't want to be associated with that type of stuff. I yeah. I, I have sort of this horrible double standard where I'm taking pictures all the time and then if people take my pictures, I just hate it. <laughs> and I'm like so offended. and just uh, So that's kind of ridiculous. Well, you're going to have to do a portrait <laughs> for us. So, I mean, will we apologize in, ahead of time for making you uncomfortable? But, but one, yeah, one thing I notice that's kind of fascinating is how, I mean, because we're so used to being like captured Mm -hmm. all the time it's sort of like a non-issue now a lot of the time i mean coming over here someone had a camera with a flash and people sort of like acted annoyed Mm -hmm. and noticed but most of the time i think you're just being photographed all the time yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) last night i went out with some friends to a place called the johnson's in bushwick and we were sitting in kind of a lounging area and i look up and there's a big security camera just oh, looking yeah. at the whole mm-hmm. bar. And it was like a, it was actually just an art project. Yeah, right. well, yeah, it, could yeah. it could be. Yeah, we, yeah. We know someone that did. Uh, Corey, that Corey did. did something kind of like. Oh that. yeah, Corey did the lovers. So he yeah he works at a hotel and they have the surveillance in the elevators. Oh, so, I like, saw that. You saw, I yeah, love like that. that was really cool. I brought I mean, it up with the people around us, though, and yeah. they it suddenly changed how they felt. They're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Everyone stopped making it. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> No, I like, but I love the raw footage. I mean, I'm obsessed with like raw, just raw documentary data and how mm-hmm. you can use that in so many different ways. Especially the way history is kind of represented on the, on the web. I've been doing a project where I'm, it's like I'm researching a specific year, the photos from that year, and you can, it's almost like rearranging history to mm-hmm. however you want to make it. And there's. One thing in my research I've done, there's so many, like, disaster photos. You come across these disasters from, like, 1974, and nobody remembers it. And you look at these horrible photos, and it's like, oh, man. Like, it's all there in our photos. Mm-hmm. We have such, you know. And how does that change from, like, 
the pre-digital era. Now, like in one year, like what happened in 2013 or 2014, the amount of data that's there, we can't even begin to like make sense of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I want to do something where I really try to like dig into one of these, you, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015 and go back and see what's there, what's on Flickr, what's on Facebook that you can get to. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying, I think, you know. You mean because there's so much you can Yeah, see there's so much, and we reveal so much through photographs. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's people's – I do go on and search, like, people's Facebook and the stuff they, they share on their it's Facebook. Incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, have you done it? Like, you can just go to, like – I've a, done a few of those. You <laughs> can do, like, a specific town, and you go to a specific – and sometimes you just sense, like – Oh, because people say where they live. Well, you and can just you can sort – you can it. sort by, like, yeah. any town and It's pretty wherever. insidious. And then you go, and, like, they some people have, like, super high-res stuff, and it's – you, I don't know, you enter a world and you can kind of sense, like, who they are. Like, there's a lot of people trying to, like, project a certain image. And you can just tell it's not there, you know, <laughs> because, it, because the photograph. Online dating anyone? Right, right, right. But yeah. even I think Facebook is almost, like, a, you get a better representation because I feel like people just upload stuff there and they don't really think about it. Online dating, you're trying to cultivate an image. But on Facebook, I feel people are just sharing, you know. I don't know. It's I can't. I can only do it for like an hour. I can go and do all that internet <laughs> stuff for like an hour, and then I have to get off. Come up for some air. Yeah, it's just <laughs> too much. Yeah, I don't know if you ever felt that way. It can be kind of bleak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I love I love that kind of voyeuristic internet travel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to phrase it. Um. Yeah, it's fascinating what people are willing to put into the public sphere. I don't know if it's like a general, a generational thing or if it's just sort of what people feel comfortable with, but um, people don't seem to want privacy. I think like part of this, like, I, I think it's sort of like a loneliness thing. Like mm. people are so lonely, they kind of don't care about privacy maybe anymore. So mm. they just put it out there and they know it's out there. It's not that... They willful ignorance. I don't know what it is. It's yeah. like they they want to they want to share it. Well, it's just that profound someone. need to connect. You know, but that you give up. Yeah, you know? I think also the other disconnect that I think maybe I have or we all have is like when you're sitting alone with your computer, you forget that things are public. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, it feels like such a strange. Um, you're in your conflation. own space. Yeah, like it's you're private, but not really. It's not really. <laughs> so that's kind of. Well, I think we'll be feeling the effects of that. Well, I, but see, like, I delete. I delete. I've deleted so much stuff from the internet. I clean out. Like, I don't even leave up on my Tumblr. I'll go and erase everything. And, like, I've erased my full flicker and all that stuff. Because there's some people that keep, oh, that's, you're erasing history. I'm like, I don't, why? Who said this has to be permanent? There's no rule that says what you put on the internet has to be permanent. All you can, dust. Yeah, you can put it up and delete it. It's like, why not? Mm -hmm. you, I don't know. There's some people that feel like you're messing with something sacred. Well, I think that there's also like a confusion about like the internet or like a social media being real. It's it's not real. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you still have the images. It's not like they're gone. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, exactly. It's not like Flickr is real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah, I've had people say, you deleted all your photos? And no, I deleted them <laughs> off the internet. I'd still have them. Yeah. And I can always go back and put them up and do something different. But I'm, I'm also kind of fascinated by that too, like how you can change 
the way people perceive your photography. It's mm-hmm. like somebody puts up their project and it's like it's there forever. And like, well, again, is that really how you want that project to be represented? It's kind of the opposite of photo books. Mm-hmm. You can't right. go back and like right. change the book. It's right. done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but you could change it. I don't I think that's an interesting project. You could have one book that changes over the years, you know. I th- uh-huh. I know there's a few people working on stuff like that, you know. It's like if you work on a lifetime project, you can continually edit that thing and it might have different Some people need to be taken out. Some yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, how long are you going to work on the, the fault line? Like, how long is that going to go? A long time. See, you plan on, so it could, it could go, I mean, you could put out a book, a self-published book now, and then 30 years, somebody... You know, Everyone will look different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, I think you can, I think there's something interesting there. I think that is something that maybe the internet and self publishing is changing, like you were saying about like the idea of a finished static pro- product mm-hmm. versus something that is a little bit more casual and like edited and reshaped over time. Yeah, I did. So I co authored a, a book called Photographer's Sketchbooks where we kind of mm-hmm. dug into people's process. And I'm really fascinated with, like, that whole way of working. And it made me realize, like, I'm a sketcher. I get an idea and I have to kind of sketch it out. And then I feel like maybe that's just it. Like, there was always a part Mm -hmm. of my brain that made me feel it has to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But I've reverted to this place. Like, maybe the sketch is the thing. And Mm -hmm. why not? You know, maybe that's just who I am. You know, I don't know. I think that is something I've thought about a lot it's like I'm always thinking about like what's what's official and what's unofficial Uh and it turns out that what's unofficial is kind of just what is (laughs) Um, it makes me think of the book Stephen Shore put out like his comprehensive book Uh of his road trip and how I mean I think he influenced a lot of the way we work today but like that book was kind of like a fresh example just seeing all these mundane things put together and their cumulative effect Mm -hmm. and how they kind of American prospects right yeah Um, or uncommon places it was no American prospects was the snapshot one it's Before. like a new, like huge coffee table oh, with like, and it, and that okay, one is okay. is in like exact chronological order. Okay, okay. I think it came out recently. Oh right, right, and, right, right. Okay. Um, I mean, it's the same stuff, but maybe a little bit extra, mm-hmm. like postcards or. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, like, what is the important moment in like right. this? So how do you view overall, like your archive? You look at your your archive in totality as like. This one big mass that you can use. Because I saw even in these the, the monthly books, there were pictures from the fault line, right? Like, mm-hmm. So you take and pull content or information, photos from different projects and use them in different contexts, right? Yeah, my idea is usually, like, if it's not going to make a final edit, then it's fair game. <laughs> right. I try to keep yeah. maybe, like, the final edit separate but th- that's like so few uh-huh. that there's like a lot of extra stuff yeah. <laughs> to work with um but yeah it's just kind of like all a big, big pile, pile of picks yeah. that <laughs> that's why you got to get lightroom i'm telling you it'll change it's the easiest way to organize but i get yeah when i'm editing i was editing the skyway book and there were some photos like i really don't want to take that photo out and then i had to tell myself by taking it out, you're not killing it. You can use it somewhere <laughs> else. Like the photo doesn't disappear forever. It's yeah. still alive to do something else with. That yeah. it just doesn't have to be in this book. It's you know? crying in the corner. Yeah, it's crying. Why didn't you put them? Like, this you're is still like, valid. This is yeah. like my sentimental graveyard. <laughs> right, right, right. It really allows. I mean, it, I think it helps me edit 
other stuff to be able to put it somewhere. Yeah, because you have to sharpen <laughs> your skills. You gave it a home. Yeah, it has to be like in its little box. I don't, I mean, the thing, I don't, you know, I don't consider myself a teacher or a thing, but something I would say to anyone getting into, like, you have to edit. Like, you have to edit. You have to build that skill and, like, you have to enjoy doing it. Otherwise, you're just going to be, I don't know, you're going to be just. You're going to be super sad. Yeah, you're not because you have to make a decision. And the thing with editing is it forces you to make a decision, this photo or that photo. Or, like, I want mm -hmm. these ones and not that. And that's the hardest thing to do is, like, these are the ones I like for this reason. Mm -hmm. These have no value whatsoever, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's difficult to do. And I think that's why a lot of photographers, especially on the amateur side, tend to, like, falter and not really push themselves because it's just too painful it's too hard to do you know i don't know mm -hmm. editing is painful it is painful ouch it yeah. is it is really painful <laughs> editing is painful and i think that's a good way to end the show tom what you think yeah all right man sovi it was so great to have thank you thank you for having your me. books are amazing i i mean i just i think it's great the what you know your process and i look forward to like Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again for joining us. You can go behind the scenes of this episode, see the work of our guests, and the photos we discussed by visiting our Tumblr and lpvshow.com. The LPV Show is executive produced by Brian Formals and co-produced by Tom Starkweather and Eddie Volante. Our score is by Tom Starkweather, who also mixes the show. Thanks again for listening.